If you will, be opening your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. We'll start there. We'll spend just a few moments and then we'll be kind of jumping a, a few different places. A um, few things I forgot to tell you about the trip. Um, David brought a lot of uh, something is wrong, but the Bible is right tracks with him. And so um, when, when he got it kind of set up that me and another guy would go door knocking <clears throat> and, and do Bible studies, he said, here, take some of these with you. I said, okay, great. And so everybody that I studied with got that track in Spanish. And so um, I left one with every, everybody I studied with because um, most of them were like, well, I want to know more. I want to study more. I'm like, well, this is the perfect solution for that. Read this track and look up the Bible verses that go along with it. So appreciate uh, y'all supporting that effort in that way. And I pray for the people as they read that track that they will go from it. So on Monday when we went door knocking... Um, we basically turned right and turned on another road, the next road on the right, and started walking to the bus stop to go study with a couple people. And so as we're walking to the bus stop, the preacher says, hey, do you want to preach Wednesday night? It's like, well, you, at least you give me a day's heads up this time instead of two minutes, you know. And, and I said, yeah, I'll be, I'll be glad to. Is there anything that you would like me to preach on? And sometimes they are very... Uh, creative in their topics. And so after I kind of said it, I was like, I probably shouldn't have said that. I probably should have just preached something that I already had. And, you know, anyways, he, he said, let me think on it. So about the time we got to the bus stop to, to get on the bus, he told me, he says, I want you to preach on finding God while he can be found. And I was like, hmm, okay, I'll do that. And so that's what I'm preaching this morning is this is a sermon I wrote while in Panama and um, it's very fundamental. It's it's nothing probably you've never heard or thought of before, but I want to uh, look and and do this sermon this morning. Have you ever found something you couldn't find? You know, I, I'm I'm bad about that. I'll misplace a piece of mail or misplace something, and you know, I, I was yet yeah, it actually happened yesterday. I was flying back from Panama, and I have um, this thing. It's called Global Entry, where I can just like go through customs really fast. I don't have to wait in the long lines like everybody else. I can bypass it. And because I got a new um, passport, because mine expired, I had to get a new passport for this trip, I didn't update my information on my account. So I'm like, oh man, I'm not going to be able to use this. So I called mom and I'm like, hey, look on the side of the refrigerator. My, my, my card is there. I need the number off the back. And she goes, it's not there. And I'm like, hmm. All right, go look over there on this other counter and where my other passport is. I think it's there. Nope, it's not there. Well, where did I put that thing? And, and I, I'm like, well, it's got to be in my truck, in my wallet, you know, because I, I don't carry a, a full-blown wallet. I just carry, you know, my credit cards because I never have cash anymore. I say, it's got to be in my, in my billfold, which nobody can get to because it's at the airport in my truck. And so, you know, you search all over looking for one thing and you can't ever find it, Right. But when it comes to God, we can find God. And that's what I want us to look at this morning. You look at Matthew chapter 13. Jesus here tells two parables. There's a lot of similarities between these two parables, but there's a lot, there's one big difference, and that's what I want us to look at um, and look as far as this, this story goes. Look at verse 44, Matthew 13 and verse 44. This is the parable of the hidden treasure. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a mound found. I want you to focus in on that word there, found it, and hid it 
And for the joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. So, have you ever done that before? You, you know, you're not even looking for something, but maybe you're cleaning up an area or, or doing something. You go through it. Oh, that's where that was. You know, it just naturally happens. You're not looking for it, but you accidentally found it. And that's what happens here in this story. Is this man is just going about his business. He stumbles upon this treasure. He accidentally finds it. Wow. Man, I got, I got to have this. So he sells everything he has and goes and buys this field. But look at the second one, okay? Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant. And notice this next word. This is the difference between these two parables. Seeking. Seeking. Beautiful pearls. So he's, he's the one that knows it's lost or it's out there. It's, it's like my, my global entry card. It's out there somewhere. I just don't know where. But you go frantically searching for it. You're seeking after it. And that's what this man is doing. He is seeking, looking hardly. Who has found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he has and bought it. So, so when you look for this idea of finding God while he can be found, there's some people that accidentally find God because they stumble upon it. And I'm going to tell you how we can do that here in a minute because they stumble upon the truth. They, maybe, maybe they're looking for God, but maybe, maybe they just, you know, find a track that you left behind and they read that something is wrong and uh, something is wrong, but the Bible is right. And they read that, and they, they're not looking for the truth, but they accidentally stumble upon it. But then there's other people that are saying, you know what, uh, this isn't right, this isn't right, I'm looking for it. And they're like the one that is seeking here in this chapter. So this morning, I want us to talk about finding God while He can be found. And I want us to look at four four points. Four, like I said, this is nothing spectacular that's going to blow you away, but it's ways that we can find God. Number one, if we're going to find God, if we are going to find God while He can be found, number one, we've got to find His book. Right, go with me to Second Kings chapter 22. Second Kings chapter 22. You might be thinking, why are we going to the Old Testament talking about seeking God and finding God? You'll see exactly why very quickly. But here in Second Kings chapter number 22... Uh, Hilkiah is the priest. He is actually one of the good good kings. Uh, Josiah uh, was was a king before him, uh, but or excuse me, Josiah is the king. Uh, Hilkiah is the high priest. Excuse me. And so Josiah is one of the young kings. He's the youngest king. I think he was eight years old when he became king. In verse number one, we can see that he he did what he walked in the ways of his father David, uh, meaning that he was a good king. He did things right. But look at verse 8, okay? Then Hilkiah the high priest said to Saphron the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. I, I want you to kind of picture that in your mind. Here, here he is, he's Hilkiah. He, he didn't tell, I, I don't see this here. He doesn't say, hey, go find that. He, he just is doing his job and he stumbles upon this book. And what book is it? He finds the Pentateuch, the Torah, the law. He finds the word of God. And he takes it to the king. Now what happens when he takes it to the king? We'll skip down to verse number 11. They begin reading it, right? That's a good thing to do when you find a book is to begin reading the book. But look at verse 11. So now it happened when the king heard the words of the book of the law that he tore his clothes. Why in the world when he hears the reading of this book does he begin to tear his clothes? In the Old Testament, what does the tearing of clothes mean? It means he's lamenting. 
He's upset. Here he is. He is hearing these words of God. He sees that he is not doing what the word of God says. He's not doing it to the full extent. He's not doing it at all. And he says, man, I'm in charge of these people. And I got, I'm upset about it. I'm not doing it the way God wants to do it. And I'm going to lament. I'm going to pour out my, my heart. I'm going to be very upset. And he begins to tear his clothes. And then look, look at verse 12 and 13. Then the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, Akram the, the son of Saffron, and you can see some other people there. Notice what he told them. Go inquire the Lord for me. What, inquire means what? Search. Go find the Lord. Go, go find him. And where am I going to find him at? In his book, right? And we're going to talk more about that here in a second. Go inquire, go find, go search of the Lord of God for me, for the people of all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord and is that is aroused against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. Here, here these people are. They know that they have not been doing God's will. They know that they have not been fulfilling the great com- commandments that God has set forth for them. So what do they do? They begin reading it, <coughs> but more importantly, they begin to obey it. They begin to search it out. You know, a lot of people have this book. They, they have several different copies in their home, but you know what they're doing with it? It's just sitting there. It's collecting dust. They're not doing anything with it. But you know who is in the pages of this book? You know who's in every page of this book, I believe? God. Because it's God's inspired word. And we'll have more to talk about that here in a second. And we need to go find God while He can be found. But we got to go to His book. we got to go to His book. A very similar story, and we're not going to turn there because of time. But a very similar story is mentioned in Nehemiah chapter 8. And I'm not going to go there because I taught Nehemiah several well, I guess a year ago now or whenever that was. But what do we see in Nehemiah chapter 8? That there is a great revival. Why? Because, again, they had not been doing the commandments of God. Here they are. They, they get up in front of everybody and they begin to read the Word of God. They begin to stand up. They begin to read it distinctly. And what happens? It changes their life, right? It changes their course that they are going down because they are seeking after God and they went to... His word. I want to give you several reasons why we need to seek for God through His Word. I'm going to give you, I might even add one more, but I at least got five here that I want to give you. Okay, The reason, if we want to find God, we got to go to His book, number one, because it is from God. I mean, think about this. Why would God give us this book? It's because He wants us to seek after Him. Well, how are we going to seek after Him? By following the book that he's left behind for us. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 21, the Bible there says that holy men of God spake as they were moved by what? The Holy Spirit. So when we, when we read these books of the Old Testament, read the books of the New Testament, we're not reading the books simply from Paul. We're reading the books by Paul that were what? Inspired. He was moved. He, he was writing with his own personality. He was writing... His own, his own things, but he was moved. He was, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. So we're reading, yes, the words of Paul, but more importantly, we're reading the words of God. And, and if we want to find God, where are we going to go? We're going to go to His Word, the instruction manual that He has left behind for us. And that's number two. 
If I want to find God while we can be found, I'm going to, number one, go to his book because it is from God. But secondly, and right behind that, is it's for our instructions. The probably thought I was going to go to 2 Timothy 3 when I said it's from God, but I didn't because of this verse. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. For all Scripture is inspired. It is breathed out by God. The idea is that God puts into these men the spirit that He wants to move them with and He writes down their word and He writes down the words of God. But all Scripture is given for inspir- for, for what? What's purpose? It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instructions in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. What do we see there? Number, we see several things, I think, that, that help us out there. But number one, the Word of God tells us how to behave. It's for our correction and a reproof and correction. It tells us how to behave. It tells us what to believe, that is the doctrine. What, why is it that we believe the certain things that we believe? Why is it that we do the certain things that we do? That's because of our doctrine. It's what we believe, and that's why we have the Bible. And it tells us what to be. And that's our instructions and righteousness. And that's what I want to focus in in just for a minute. A few, a few weeks ago, Luke calls me. Um, you know, Luke Griffin, he calls me. He says, hey, I, I need to, Christy bought a table up in Chattanooga. Can you go help her get it and help us unload it? Yeah, no problem. So I go up to Luke's house and we go up there and we pick up this big new dining room table. And you know me and Luke, we're, we're men, right? So the first thing we do is we start opening the box and there's this little slip of paper. It's called the instructions. We're men, right? What do we do with those instructions? Throw them away, right? We just throw them over to the side. And we begin putting this, put, begin putting this table together. Well, about halfway through, you know, Christy comes in and says, I don't think y'all are doing it right. Now get out of here. We know what we're doing. And then we go over there and get in that instruction manual. And you know what we were doing? We are doing it wrong. We put the two up frames, the two, two legs, if you will, up first, and then we were going to put the table on top of it and then screw it down. But you know what the instructions said to do? Put the table upside down on the floor, put the legs on top, and then screw them in, right? You know what would have been a whole lot easier? If I would just read, it took five minutes to read that instruction book, we could have been done in no time. But instead, we what? Rejected the instructions. How many times do we look to God's Word and we just say, oh, that's, that's just a book that's written? No, it's our instructions. And I, I've used this probably here before. It's, it's one of my favorite things to, to emphasize that the Bible is our instructions. The, but the B-I-B-L-E, right? That's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. What does Bible stand for? It's basic. Ephesians 3 and verse 4. Uh, where we read, you may understand the mystery of my knowledge. It's basic. The Bible is not written... I think James Watkins, we were talking about James Watkins this morning, I think he always said the Bible was written on a fifth grade level. It's basic. It's, it can be understood. Instructions, 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17, before leaving earth. The B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. If, if, you, want, if you want to search out God, where are you going to go? You're going to go to the, work, the book that He left behind, and you're going to follow the instructions that He left in place for us to follow after, that we can follow and lead to Him and follow those things. So, number one, and these build upon each other. Number one, it's from God. If I want to search for God, where am I going to go? I'm going to go to His book that He left behind for us to follow after. Number two, it is for our instructions. But number three, 
It saves my soul. If I want to seek God, obviously I want salvation. I want, I want the benefits of, of knowing God and being with God. Well, what do I want most importantly? I want the salvation that God offers. And that's really our main point number two that I'm going to get at. Or number three, actually. But I got to go, I got to know the instructions. Well, the instructions are what? To tell us how to be saved. James 1 and verse number 21, it says, The engrafted word which is able to save your souls. You, that's the King James Version. The New King James actually says this, the implanted word. What is that talking about? I translated that and David looks at me funny. I said, the word that gets in your heart, right? Because the idea of implanted is the seed, right? The seed is the word of God, Luke 8 verse 11. And it is implanted into each one of our hearts. And then what happens? We either have to obey it or we don't. We reject it or we don't. And we do that. So we are in the engrafted, the implanted word of God, which is able to save our souls. It, it, it's able to. Why? Because if we obey it, we will be saved. If we don't obey it, we will not be saved. And also First Peter 1, and verse number 22 and verse 23, talks about how that we are born again, not through incorruptible seed, or corruptible seed, but by incorruptible seed which is the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And so if we want to, if we want to know God, we've got to go to His book because it's from God. It's our instructions. It's able to save our souls. And this one's very similar to it, but it leads us to Jesus. When you sit back and you look at the Word of God, I said that God is upon every page of the Bible, but I think also Jesus is. And a lot of people... I recently, I think it was a sermon by B.J. Clark I was listening to, and um, I don't remember why or what. Oh, it was actually a sermon on um, Asa from 1 Kings chapter 15. And I was preparing for class. I knew B.J. had a great sermon on it, so I kind of listened to it to see what he, what he had to say. And So anyway, he's going through, and he said he was preaching at Polish in the pulpit, and one of his former students came up to him and said, You know... My, my elders told me to stop preaching from the Old Testament. What, what, it's got to be a misunderstanding. He said, no, they want me to preach New Testament stuff. But you know what we need to preach? We need to preach Old Testament. Why? Because it points to Jesus. You might be thinking, well, where's Jesus at in the Old Testament? Read Isaiah 53. That's Jesus. Read Genesis 3, chapter 15. That's Jesus. Read Psalms 22. That's Jesus. All the Old Testament points to God and it points to Jesus. So, and the verse that I have for this point is Acts chapter 8. There with the Ethiopian eunuch, what is he reading? He's reading from the Isaiah chapter 53. And what does verse 35 say? And at that same scripture, talking about the Old Testament, he began to preach unto him Jesus. And what does that teach us? If we're searching for God like that, old, that, that Ethiopian eunuch man was, he, he was there searching for Jesus. He was looking for the Messiah. He's looking for salvation. What was the first place he looked? He went to God's Word. He knew that. But he, it leads us to Jesus. He was reading from that Old Testament scroll and it led him to Jesus. When we look to God's Word, we find Jesus Christ. And lastly, the reason that we need to go to God's Word is because it will keep us from sin. It's our instructions, yes but it will keep us from sin. Psalms 119, verse 11, Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. There's a 
a man in Alabama that, that I talk to on the phone on occasions. and He's a member at Ironiton. He, he was a former elder there. And he, he told me he writes this in every book or every Bible that he owns. And, and it, he turns in the first few pages and he has this written down. This book will keep you from sin and sin will keep you from this book. And, that, and that's so true. If you want to find God, what are you not going to find? You're not going to find sin. He's going to want, sin is going to want you to lead away from this book. But if you want to find God, if you're searching for God while He can be found, you're going to go to His book, hold it to your heart, and follow after it. So number one, if we're going to search for God, and, that, and this is probably the most important thing, and uh, time's already getting away from me. I, I told somebody, they, they kind of made fun of me when I preached this sermon, jo- jokingly, they were like, you gave us four points, about five points, about six points. And I said, yeah, I did. Because I put about three sermons in one. So I uh, probably should have just done a sermon series on this. But anyways, we'll, we'll, we'll get as far as we can. If I want to search for God while He can be found, or finding God while we, He can be found, is I'm going to find His church. I'm going to find the Lord's church while it can be found. There's a sermon illustration that B.J. Clark many times uses and and I, I really enjoy this sermon. I think it illustrates this point so well. In Panama, I told David, I said, I'm going to use this illustration. You know, you think it will translate well. He said, don't use the word mall, use the word market. I said, okay, I can do that. I said, I want you to pretend here in the United States you're at a large mall. I want you to pretend you're at Town Center Mall. And you're with your little child. And, and y'all are searching maybe for new clothes for school. So everybody's there. It's tax-free weekend. The mall's crowded. And you're looking maybe for, for some books or some some clothes for your son or daughter to wear, and all of a sudden, you turn around and they're not there. They're disappeared. They're gone. They, they, they can't be anywhere inside. You begin yelling their name. They don't hear you. They, they're gone. So you go to the authorities. You say, I've lost my son. I've lost my daughter. I will just say son for this illustration. I've lost my son. Can you help me find him? What are they going to say? Well, what does he look like? Well, he was wearing a red shirt, blue pants, flip-flops, and, and he was wearing a baseball hat. Okay, we'll go find them. So they begin going and searching all over the mall. They, they've radioed everybody. They, they're telling him, all, you know, find, searching as diligently as they can. And then, then in the distance you see a little boy wearing a red shirt, blue pants. But he doesn't have a baseball cap on. He's wearing tennis shoes. Is that your son? No. He had several of the characteristics that identified your son. But he didn't have all of them, did he? He brings that boy up and says, here you go, here's your son, I found him. He's wearing that red shirt and blue, blue pants like you talked about. No, that's not my son. My son was wearing tennis shoes. He wasn't wearing, or wearing flip-flops. He wasn't wearing tennis shoes. And he had a baseball cat on. And, and you know, that's, that's not even my son. What's your name, boy? My, my, my son's name's Tom. This is Bill. This ain't my son. A few minutes later, they, they bring somebody else. And he's wearing a green shirt, blue shorts, flip-flops. Here he is, he's wearing flip-flops. You're not going to be satisfied till when. So you can find all those identifying characteristics that identify your son. It might have every identifying characteristic, but they don't have the right name. That's still not your son, is it? Until they have all identifying characteristics of the New Testament church, it's not the Lord's church. So, so when we go searching for God, looking for God, what, what does His church look like? What is it that His church looks like? It wears His name. 
Acts 20 and verse number 28, the blood that he shed was what? To purchase the church. The church of God. The church that belongs to God. The church that, he sh- that Jesus shed his own blood for. Romans 16 and verse 16. The churches of Christ salute you. The church of that belongs to Christ. It worships as God designed and gave instructions for. We, we, we talked very, very lengthy about what? If I want to search for God, if I want to search for God while He can be found, I, I'm, not going to, I'm not going to worship Him in the way He doesn't want to be worshipped. I'm going to go back and worship Him the way He wants to. In the Bible we see five acts of worship. Now we can see all kinds of examples of, of worship that didn't please God, such as vain worship. In Matthew 15 and verse 9, In vain they did worship me, teaching for doctrines, what? The commandments of men. They, they went away from God's Word. You know what they were seeking? They were seeking to please people instead of God. And that's not what we're about this morning. We, our topic is searching and finding God why He can be found. I'm not going to please anybody else but God. But there's, talk, there's will worship, doing what I want to do. Colossians chapter 3 talks about there. There's vain worship in Acts 17 and verse number 30. Where they, they, they ignorantly worship the unknown God. But John 4 and verse 24 tells us, And God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Well, how do I do that? By going to His book. Doing it just like He said. There's prayer. We can worship God in prayer. First, First Timothy 2 and verse 5, we, we pray to God through Jesus Christ. We, 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 we should pray without ceasing. First Thessalonians 5 and verse 17. We should give on the first day of the week. 1 Corinthians 16 and 1 and 2. But on the same day that we give, you know what we should also do? Partake of the Lord's Supper. Acts 20 and verse 7. On the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread. What was their purpose for coming together? What was the main function there in Acts 20 and verse 7 that they were doing? It was to fellowship with one another, to commune with one another, and to commune with God in the fellowship and the breaking of bread. That is the Lord's Supper. And how often does the first day of the week come around? How often does upon the first day of the week mean? Every time it comes around. Every time there's a Lord's Day. I, I, there's a sermon by Cliff Goodwin. Go search for it. It's on, I think it's on Riverbend's Facebook page. It's, it was his favorite sermon at the time. But he said the Lord's Supper is for the Lord's people on the Lord's Day. Think about that for a second. Why is it that we come together to be the Lord's people and to partake of the Lord's Supper on the Lord's Day. I think that just shows so importantly how important the Lord's Supper is to God. We, so we see prayer, we see giving, we see the Lord's Supper, preaching, 2 Timothy 4 and verse 2, and the singing to God without the mechanical instruments of music. Why? Why, why is it that we don't use it? Remember, remember I told you that 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 tells us how to behave, what we need to believe and what we need to be. Why is it that we don't use mechanical instruments of music? Because we don't have the authority for it. If we're going to search for God, we're going to do just what He says. It's funny how like you come up with all these sermon illustrations on these mission trips. So, so we were eating at a restaurant and Donald... Um, Donald Payne, he, I don't know if any of y'all know Donald, he's a member at Eastridge, and um, he does a lot of neat stuff. But anyways, he, he said one time he went down there and he ordered a hamburger. He says, I don't want onions, 
And I don't want something else. I can't remember what it was. I know he don't. I say, I don't want onions. And the lady comes out and it has onions on it. And he tells the little waitress, hey, I told you I didn't want onions. And this is what the waitress said. Don't, don't order. Don't tell me something you don't want. You know what God did tell us what he wants? What he wants, right? We, God doesn't have to tell us all the things he doesn't want to tell us what he does want. God simply tells us what he wants. And he wants singing, right? Ephesians 5 and verse 19, Colossians 3, 16 and 17. Don't order what you don't want. God didn't want mechanical instrument music, so what did he want? Singing. I was like, man, that's a sermon illustration right there. He gave me a couple others too that I'll use later. But, but if I want to search for God while he can be found, what, how am I going to do it? I'm going to go, and I'm going to, I'm going to break this up. I'm going to preach the other one next, next week because I'm already way behind on time. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to search for God in His book, and I'm going to search for God in His church. I'm not going to search for, for God in man-made religions, but I'm going to go back to His one singular focused church. And we can be glad to talk more with you about that. But why find God's church? Because that's where God's people is. It's made up of the saved, Ephesians 5 and verse 23. And that's where I can find God. It's where salvation is. And we can find God there. I'm going to go ahead and give you the next two points. but that's I'm, I'm giving them to you so you know where I'm going to go with this. So you can see the full picture of this sermon. But I'm going to flush them out next time I come back. And probably will even go in more detail. But we need to find God's salvation. If I want to search for God, I want to find God's salvation. Right? It, it, you can look for God for whatever reason you want. But what's the real reason we want to go? We want God because we want to go to heaven. We want to go and live with Him forever and worship Him forever. So what do I want? I want the salvation that God offers. It's through His church. It's through His Word, as we already mentioned. He's all tied together. And we'll talk about that more next time I'm here. But this fourth and last one is, is very important. We need to find God while He can be found. There's a condition there, right? Finding God while He can be found. And that means, and this is our fourth and final point, we need to understand time is limited. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a Christian. You want that salvation that is offered. You've got to do what Jesus said do. And what is that? You've got to believe with all your heart. Hebrews 11 and verse 6. You've got to repent of your sins. Acts 17 and verse 30. You've got to confess the name of Christ. Romans 10 and verse 10. You've got to be buried in the water or grave of baptism for the forgiveness of sins. Acts 2 and verse 38. And there is where you find God. But it doesn't stop there. You've got to keep seeking Him and finding Him each day because those that endure to the end will be saved. Maybe you're here this morning you don't know God. You can come and know Him this morning or maybe you knew God and you left Him. You can come back to the fold. We can help you anyway. Come now as together we stand and as we sing.